Shalom, Shavua Tov, Mizat Hashem, it should be an amazing week. It's a, it is an amazing week. Vayetze with the whole parsha and the ladder and Yaakov Avinu. It's the beginning of Yaakov Avinu's um, his existence now in the, in, the, in, the, in the year. Every year we do the parsha and it's activating the schut of the, of the, the tzaddikim and the parshiot. So now we begin really with Yaakov's um, becoming Yaakov Avinu and the father of the 12 tribes. Rav Nosen, Rabbi Natan, he a lot develops the whole story of Yaakov Avinu and his dream and all significance. It's very detailed, beautifully, Bezat Hashem. If we have a chance, we'll go into it. But the, the key for this class is something very special, Bezat Hashem. Okay? We have two devotions, two etzot, two advice revealed by the tzaddikim. And they both seem to match, seemingly. And the question arises, so what's the difference? We will explain. From already from the Chumash, and then afterwards in the Gemara, the Midrash, the Zohar, and the Arizal, they all speak about the power of the Ktoret. Ktoret. Last year, if you remember, we spoke a little about Ktoret. We're going to continue the next stage on this because there's something really powerful here. The Ktoret, the first expression of the Ktoret being an, a power to help save is in Parashat Korach. Parashat Korach, after Korach, Vadato, Datan, and Aviram, they were swallowed up, or they were burnt by the Machtot, okay? So then, the Jews began to attack and accuse Moshe and Aaron, Atem Hamitenet Hadat Yisrael. You guys killed the Jewish people, because 24,000 people, you know, many people died already, so not 24,000, 250 of Adat Korach, they were, they, they were killed. So, because of their Machloket, a magefa plague set out, meaning Hashem gave permission for the angel of death, Malach Hamavit, to start going and taking away Jewish people, taking away their lives. So we see in Parshat Korach that Moshe Rabbeinu reveals to Aaron, Maher, quickly, take the machta, take the plate, the special shovel, the golden shovel, put Ktoret on it with the fire, and go, go quickly to stop the magefa. So Rashi brings on from the Chazal that the angel of death himself revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu this secret that if ever you want to stop a magefa, a plague, ma? a plague, plague, I said, a plague, any, anytime you want to stop a, a magefa, a plague, the Ketoret has the power to do so. Okay? Magefa, by the way, is one of the worst type of, uh, of inflictions. The, the Rav Chaim Bitali writes that in the, the, in the Klalot, the curses of Parashat Kitavo, there's 98 curses. The only one that says, Yatbek, Yatbek Becha, it should stick to you, is when it comes to a Magifa. He says, it's possibly that this is the after effect of the Corona, because the Corona is technically, it was technically a Magifa. He says a Magifa is so bad that even after it goes, it's stuck on the person's cloth, clothing, his vicinity, his neighborhood. Anywhere you're in close proximity to someone who had a Magifa, it stays even after the Magifa goes on. That's why it, it's so necessary to clean it, okay? And the, the, the Rav Vital reveals that's the power of Ktoret. I'm, I'm jumping a little ahead, but the Ktoret has the power to clean from that. Let's go back to the Parsha. So Aaron went with the Ktoret, and the Ktoret had the ability to stop and seize the spreading of the Magifa, of the plague, okay? So based on this, Good 
Thank you. 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 So the, the, the Zohar goes on to explain that this is the power of the Ktoret. The Ktoret has the power to stop Magifa. Okay? So it the, the, goes on to say that even after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, so we don't have Ktoret, just the reciting of the Ktoret also has that power. That's why there, there's some who have a Hidur to read the Ktoret on Klaf, <coughs> on parchment, because if we want to activate a similar level of, 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 of mitigation and, and, and sweetening, so we wanted to best match the actual Torah. So we read the words as they're inscribed in the Chumash and the Sefer Torah, in Klaf, in Parchment, in Otiot of Asherit, and that way, Bezat Hashem to activate it. Okay, there's many levels, but this is the idea of the Torah. And the Zohar goes on to explain that there's 11 fragrances in the Torah. Why 11? Because the idea of the Torah, what does it do? It goes into the realm of the Klipot, of the evil and does extraction. It extracts holy sparks that are stuck in the domain of evil. And these sparks are stuck there from already before the creation. From what was called the, before with the actual creation, it's called the Shirat Kelim, a shattering of the vessels, which means that when Hashem initially created the world, He created with a, 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 an imperfection, a defect. Hashem made it purposely of a defect that there should be a crash, so that we have what to do when the creation is done a second time, which is now, that we have, what to, we have, we have a mission here to collect all the good. So every morning, you're davening shacharit every day for your whole life. And you, you, you think sometimes it's boring. It's the same thing every day. What's new? Every day has new sparks that only you can collect. And only on this day, only in this place, all the combination of you, where you are, and, and the time, all three as a unique ability to collect sparks that no other time, no other person, no other place can be done. And the Ktorit does that. Reciting the Ktorit, it's 11 fragrances corresponding to what's called the 10th Sfirot and 11th one. Why 10? Because the evil has also 10 levels of energy. When evil takes the Kedusha, it keeps it in 10 levels. So what the Ktorit does, it kills the evil takes out the holy sparks and brings it back out. This is why it's so important not to skip the Ktoret when you daven in the morning. Don't run to Hodu. The Ben brings down, if you're late for davening, one of the things you should never skip is the Ktoret. Because that's what's going to help you to do your elevation of your davening. Even if you're late and everything and I have to get there. Don't skip the Ktoret. At least the, the, the opening parasha of the and the first bright that shouldn't be skipped so you can at least activate it okay but the bottom line of the Ktorit is is that it goes into the Klipot okay it kills the, the, the evil and brings out the holiness chapter that's what Ktorit does now Rabbeinu Rabbi Nachman on the Tikkun Akali says something similar he says the idea of the saying the Tikkun Akali these ten chapters ten types of Nigunim of melody they also go to do extraction they also go to extract. It's now, in this case, it's in Pagama Brit, of sexual immorality, of Zer Levatala. And now these are not just sparks, these are holy neshamot that are now stuck. And these neshamot, if they're not extracted, they become mazike alma, they become uh, destroyers, <coughs> angels of, agents of, dest of destruction. He's, the Zohar says that any nezek in the world that's happening, any damage, it's ultimately connected to Pgamabrit, to the wasted seed of mankind, creating these mazikim, okay? It's scary. So the, the idea of Tikkun is also to go in 
to kill the evil force who, who takes them. Her name is, we don't say her name, Lamed Yud, Lamed Yud Tav. And Rabbi Nachman reveals that Tehillim is the antidote because the gematria of her name is Tehillim with the five letters. Okay? So, and it, the, the power of the Tikkun HaKlal is also to go in, to destroy, and to extract. Why, so, why isn't there 11 songs <coughs> to correspond to the 11 spices? In the Pitum Aktoret, the Rav Chaim Vitali explains that the 10 fragrances of the Ktoret correspond to the 10 spheres of the world of Asiya. In, 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 in Judaism and in the davening, there's what's called four dimensions, four worlds. Dimensions means like levels of experience. And when you're davening your morning prayer, you go through all four worlds, all four dimensions. The korbanot up to Baruch Shamar is called the world of Asiya. From Baruch Shamar to Rishtabach is Yetzirah. From the brachot of Kriyat Shema to the Amida, some say even inside the Amida already, the first three brachot is the world of Bria. And finally, the, the Shpitz, the top, is the, the Shmon Esri, called Atzilut. And once you finish the Shmon Esri, you don't stay up there, you go down. So then you say, Ashrei, Uva Letzion, you go down one world, Bria. And then the, the Shir Shel Yom, Yom Yom, Echad B'Shabbat Kodesh, is now back into Yetzirah. And finally, the Torah that we say, Ana Lenu L'Shabeach, is back into Asiya. So that way, the energy that you collected, you bring it back down, and then you go into your daily business with that energy that you bring it down. You don't stay up there, you bring it down with you. So, because now, when we're starting the davening, it's heavy. You wake up in the morning, it's a new day, it's a new challenge, it's a new struggle, it's heavy. So we're working with Olam Asiya, but Arizal says the 11th level is, is what's called Malchut, the lowest level of the next world, of the, of the, of the ones called um, Yetzira. That's why there's 11. Tikkun Akali, we're gonna go into this, Tikkun Akali has nothing to do with the world of Asiya. It comes from above the Keter. It's way above. It comes from a highest level. The Ktoret is with the lowest level of the Svirot, but the Tikkun Akali is going up to a higher level. So there, there's only 10, because they correspond to the 10 utterances, the, the, the 10 utterances of the creation. That's why it's 10. Fine. You should do it every day then? What? The uh, Tikkun Akali? It's suggested. It's such a gift. Someone has to be stupid not to take this gift. It, Rabbi Nachman didn't say to say it every day. He said explicitly a day that God forbid a person has an emission. He says, make sure that same day to say it. Why is he so specific on that same day? Because the sparks of these souls that were emitted in vain, so long as there's no Ha'arev Shemesh, there's no sunset, they still have a wanting to escape, to come out. They have a ratzon, because they're souls, okay? Once nightfall sets, and nightfall is the, is the domain of the klipar, who's called Lamed Yud, Lamed Yutav, she convinces them to stay there and to enjoy being demons and causing evil and destruction. In other words, they turn from not wanting to be there to wanting to be there by sunset. That's why Ibn Nachman, he stressed, make sure you say it the same day. First, you should go to the mikveh, say the tikkun akali. And even if you can't say the tikkun you can't go to the mikveh, make sure the day doesn't finish without saying the tikkun akali. Make sure, you, make sure it's said on that day, okay? So he... he initially suggested it for a day that a person has an emission. But in breast of the custom is, it's such a gift, what it does, if it can help fix this damage, <laughs> so, so why not say it every day? It's, like a, it's a big dosage of vitamins, multivitamin, power pack. So say it every day. It's understood. It's a gift. So that, it's suggested to say it every day. In breast of circles, they do say it every day. All right. The question though, and I've had this question for years, the way 
the Arizal, and the Zor, and the Midrash, and the Gemara explains the power of the Ketoret, and the way Rabbi Nachman explains the idea of Tikkun HaKlali, it's, it looks like it's the same thing. Why did Rabbi Nachman come to add by the Tikkun HaKlali? It's, it, it sounds like it does the same thing, it's, it's extraction. Ketoret uh, goes into the Klipot, kills the enemy, brings out the Holy Sparks. Tikkun HaKlali is the exact same thing. Well, what did you come to add Rabbi Nachman by saying that by Tikkun HaKlali? Answer, an amazing answer given by Rav Yonatan Eibschitz. Rav Yonatan Eibschitz is the first one who I see who brought a clear explanation saying that Ketoret has its limitations. Ketoret has its place and up, up to a certain degree. He says like this, Rav Yonatan Eibschitz. We see in Parshat Korach that Moshe told Aharon when there was a Magifa, the Magifa was due to strife, to Machloket. They were against Moshe and Aaron, so Hashem let out this Magifa to, to start attacking the Jews because of the Machloket, the strife. So for Magifa and, and strife and that area of bad, the Ktoret can act, act activation. However, he points out, we're not on the second time this Magifa is where? Parshat Balak. Parshat Balak, at the end of Parshat Balak, Bilam tells Balak, I'll give you a secret. You want to bring the Jews down? The God of the Jewish people, he hates immorality. You want to bring the Jews down? Let them fall into sexual immorality? That's your way in. So the end of Parashat Balak, we see that Bnot Moav, right? The daughters of Moav, or Bnot Midian, I always forget mixed up, it's Midian or Moav. They enticed the Jewish men. Jewish men fell. The whole story with Cosby, Batsur, and Zimri, Right? There was major immorality, especially in the tribe of, a tribe of Shimon. And Magifa broke out. Again, killing a scary number, 24,000. It's amazing. 24,000 were killed also in Parshat Korach until Aharon came with the Machta and the Ketoret. 24,000 died until he was able to stop it. And in Parshat Balak, also 24,000 died. But the Ravinotan Ipshitz points out, one second. If, and by that time in Parshat Balak, Aharon, Aharon Akwan already passed away. So now Elazar is the Kohen Gadol. Why didn't Moshe Rabbeinu tell Elazar, take the Ketoret again? If the Ketoret stops Magifa, it stops plague, it has the power to stop evil and angel of death. You did that in Parshat Korach. Why don't you do that also in Parshat Balak? Why not? Nothing's mentioned, right? Bilam comes, gives bad advice. Balak listens to it. 24,000 Jews fall. There's no mentioning that Moshe Rabbeinu tried to stop it. So Renatan Ipshitz, he says, from here you see, the Ketoret has a limitation. Until where does Ketoret work? Until Pgama Brit. Sexual immorality, up to there. Okay, up to there. After that, Ketoret cannot help. Okay, he left, this is, he's at least 150 years before Ibn Ahmad. Okay? He's before Ibn Ahmad and he already revealed that Ketoret, Ravinot Ha'ibshitz, he reveals this idea. He lived 150 years approximately before Rabbeinu. Or 100 years. He was in the 1600s. Okay? Early 1700s. Okay, 100 years before Rabbeinu. So he says that the Ketoret has its limitations. It can't help for Pagam Abrit. Why? When does, you see, he explains like this. The word Ketoret in Aramaic, Katar, Kuf, Tet, Resh, is the Aramaic translation for Kesher. What stopped the Magifa in the time of uh, Zimri? Yeah. And what, it, what stopped the Magifa? Nothing. It just said that uh, nothing stopped the Magifa. Take a look. Pinchas, sorry, sorry. Pinchas is Kina. Pinchas stopped in his Kina. You're right. 
but you're right. distracted by what? By, by killing Zimri. Simply? <laughs> and they didn't use the ketorite? Nothing. Because Nothing at all. Also. Right, but the ketorite wasn't used. He's a lineage, he's the grandson of Aaron Cohen, but he wasn't yet a Cohen. The ketorite was not used in Parashat Balak. Okay, it wasn't. Keter, let's go back to what we're saying. Keter is Melashon Kesher. What does that mean, Kesher? How the ketorite works for extraction is that it's able to pull out, because it's 11, 11 fragrances, so corresponding to 11 spherot, and it's like a chain. They're all connected. So when there's evil trapped in the evil, the ketorite is like you're, you're lowering a chain into that pit, ex- killing the evil, extracting, but it's all connected, okay? So long as there's a kesher, Rabbi Notani Yabesh explains, so the holiness can be extracted. But when you severe the kesher, which is done by what? Pagama brit. Sexual immorality cuts totally. It makes a total separation. Pagama brit, when it was wasted seed, God forbid, it's totally separated. There's, not, there's nothing to connect. He says, Rav Nosin, he says in Likutei Alachot, that when a person, a person's inner point is in his Kedusha Tabrit. And when, God forbid, there's wasted seed, he lost his point. And he says, because of that, someone who's blemished their breed, they need to get a new point, which only the tzaddikim can give them a new point. So he says, we have no sin, that people who have blemished their covenant, their only hope to start again, they need to receive a new nikuda, a new point from the tzaddikim to give them a new vitality. They have no other choice. People who have fallen so low, they need a tzaddik to give them a new point to revive them, to revitalize them. Yeah. He says a portion, Yeshi Tigva, that means the guy who falls into that uh, aspect of the breed, always with the Tigva that's. Rabbeinu in Rabbi Nachman's wisdom in Sichot Aran, he quotes the Zohar that says, the Zohar, Bishuma Baruchai says in the Zohar that for the blemish of the breed, there's no tshuva. And Rabbeinu says, Nobody in the world understands the pshat of the Zohar except for me. That's his wording. And I say tshuva always helps. There's always hope. But now what's the hope? The hope is that you're saying the Tikkun HaKlali, Bezat Hashem. Last time we were here, we spoke about it. There's like a few levels in Tikkun HaKlali. They're saying Tikkun HaKlali anywhere in the world on the day that a person has an unintentional emission. But now how about emissions from the past or intentional? From this, you see, you need something else. And this is, uh, this is how I see things, is that for this, you need to say the Tikkun HaKali by Rabbi Nachman's kever. Because there's a question here. If now, Rabbi Nachman revealed the power of the Tikkun HaKali, why did he add an extra point? I, uh, he made an oath. Anybody who comes to my kever and says the Tikkun HaKali, no matter what he's done, I'll pull him out of Gehenna. But one second, did you already say that Tikkun HaKali can help for unintentional? So it seems that what he's adding is what's worse than unintentional, which could be intentional. And for that, you would need to say the Tikkun HaKali by the Tzion of Rabbeinu in Enuma, to have that activation for, for intentional to come, okay? So now, going back, so we see that Pagama Brit makes a total separation. Ktorit could only help. It's like a chain, okay? It's like a chain and it's able to pull out because it's all connected. So you can extract. So with Ktorit, I can extract if it's connected. But if there's a total disconnection, for that you need something stronger. You need a super duper bulldozer to go extract. It's like the analogy is like this. You know, uh, if now they took hostages in Gaza, Shem okay? If I know that the hostages are just behind a wall of four meters, okay, a four meter, uh, a one meter thick wall, I know that if I send a giant missile 
It'll blow up the wall, but might also kill the hostages. So I have to act delicate to send a less powerful type of missile that can damage just the wall so I can get in and extract. But if I know that the hostages are behind a 20 meter thick wall, so I know that a regular missile won't be enough, so I'm gonna have to offer a super duper boom missile to break those 20 meters to get to extract the hostages, okay? So too, this is explaining why we need both. Because you would think, if Tikkun HaKlali is so powerful, and there's a rule in the Gemara, Bichlal Mataim, Mane. If you have, in 200, you have 100. Meaning what? If you have access to something stronger, so use the stronger thing, okay? Have a multivitamin and regular tiny vitamins. Use the big vitamin and automatically it should heal the lesser things. You need both. Why do you need both? There's parts of the day that are delicate, like the hostages that are just behind the one meter wall. If I give too much of a boom, I can cause more damage. So for that, that's the Ktorit. Ktorit is part of the daily avodah of extracting. He says, Rav Nossin, just to explain this point, our mission in this world is to collect all these sparks. Whenever you do a mitzvah, you say a bracha, you, you keep Shabbat, you do tefillin, shofar, mezuzah, everything you're doing, all the mitzvot, the goal is to extract holiness that's trapped and to bring it up. That's hinted to in mitzvah. We said this once in the past. Mitzvah, you have mem tzadik, vav hey. The vav hey of mitzvah is from yud vavke. That's vavke of mitzvah. What's mem tzadik? Mem tzadik in a gematra called atbash. Atbash is you take the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you fold them like this. So aleph is equal to tav. Bet is equal to shin. Okay, it's, it's called atbash. In atbash, mem tzadik corresponds to yud Meaning what? When you're doing a mitzvah, you're actually reconnecting to Hashem. Reconnecting what? The mitzvot. And what is the mitzvot? What are the mitzvot you're doing? These are the holy sparks that are trapped. Okay? Doing mitzvot is, is, is basically collecting the holy sparks, bringing them back up to Hashem. But because they're also trapped and they're stuck, like you see they're, they're in the quick quicksand and everything, you need a strong shovel to lift them out. That's what the Torah does every day. That's why it's so important to say Torah twice in the morning and once in Mincha to ha- allow for the extraction for the daily struggles. However, for Pagam Mabrit, like the Gemara says, that there's three things that a person is, stumbles upon every day. And one of them is Pagam Mabrit. Even Shemrat Anayim, Rav Chaim Kanievsky, he wrote that a person can have a bad look at an immoral site and only a few months later he can have an emission because of what happened two months ago, three months ago. It stays in the subconscious, and it can happen that it comes out a month or two months later. It's crazy. So in other words, you, and every day, people, they see things. You go to work, you're on the street, you have interaction with, with females. Okay, it's, it's not easy. And the Gemara says that. That's one of the three things that most people stumble across every day. So if that's the case, and Gamabrit is already activated by even a wrong thought, and it stays in the subconscious, and God forbid it can come out after a month, two months later, chasse shalom. So we need also to combat that. And rest of these to say like this, Rabbi Yitzhak Bendi would say like this, he said, Tikkun Akali can help for the past, and can also help for the future. It protects for, for what happened already, if it's the same day, chasse shalom. And it can protect also, it's a protection for the future. And that explains why they say it every day. So, so I can be having a, a type, at least a type of protection for, the, for, for any future damage. But in short, this is why we need both of them. What does a lip box do? It doesn't say it. <laughs> You're saying it for him. <laughs> what do I tell you? <laughs>
Now, one additional point. One additional point is that Ktoret, the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says in, uh, in Mishle, Ktoret Yesamach Lev. The reason why it's so important to say Ktoret every day, because it's your key to have Simcha today. Ktoret, Rav Natan writes clearly in Kitzur Likute Moran, the Bridge Likute Moran, that by saying Ktoret Bekavana, working, investing to say the Ktoret and trying to understand it, is a Segula for happiness. And happiness, as we know, is the key for everything else. Your mitzvot don't go up if they're missing simcha. Simcha is the key for everything going up. That's why at the beginning of the day, at the morning, early in the morning, ktorit is part of the day to infuse you with simcha. If you have simcha, you have better chances that your davening will do the job. Your kretschma will do the job, your shmonesre, the Torah study you do, the tztaka you do, all the things you do during the day, you have now a better chance of doing them besimcha, and that simcha is what pushes them up. So ktorit is a big, big simcha. We said this last time, if you recall, that in the word for ktorit, when you open up the, the value, so it's, um, I'm trying to remember now how it works, kuf, tet, Reish Tav, I'm, t- I'm trying to remember, it's been a while. Is Gematria, sorry, so yeah, no. Kuf Tet Reish Tav, how much is that? That's 109. 109 plus 200, so 309 plus 400, 709 is exactly Gematria of Nachman when spelled out. So that's Nun Vav Nun, Chet Tav, Mem Mem, Nun Vav Nun. That, this is Avram Rav Nachman, he writes, that in the Ktoret, is the, the, the Rabbi Zach, Rabbi Nuz Inyan is already in the Inyan of the Ktoret. It's hinted to there already. So Ktoret is something so powerful. It's so important and not to be skipped. Most people, it's, it's, it's sad. You see people, they, when from the Zavani start, hold do. <laughs> What's hold? You skip the Ktoret, you lost out. Chas Shalom. Chaval. Ktoret is to help. Yes. So, Rabbi Nathan, Rabbi Nachman speak about Ktoret, but actually, the Jews don't Since when? Take a look in the sitter. Everyone has Ketoret. What are you talking about? They, they say it twice in the morning and... and, and I think everybody. They do it, just they don't do it in Cebu. They come to Hodu with it already done. Everybody on his own. They don't repeat the Torah portion. They do it in Yeah, they say part of it. We, this far, we say the whole thing. Twice, the whole thing. They say a part of it. Ketoret is the whole thing or is the part? It depends on the minag, but they're saying the minimum. Like the like I said, Ben Ishchai said, if you're stuck and you're late with everything, you can be yotzei for the Vayomer Hashem, Kach Nechasamim, and Tanu Rabbanan. That you shouldn't skip. Even if you're late, that it's part of the davening shouldn't skip because that's the whole Aliyah. But but this thing of the Simcha is so is so important from, from the mitzvot. He says Rab Natan in one place, believe it or not, that the Simcha and doing a mitzvah is even greater than the mitzvah itself. <laughs> it's greater than the mitzvah itself. That's, that's like a Hasidic uh, word. But there's so much emet into that because the goal of, of Judaism, the goal of what Hashem wants is besimcha. We said this yesterday also, that the curses in Parashat Kitavo, the curses in Parashat Kitavo, it says there are 98 curses. And in the middle it says, why is this coming to you? Tachat besimcha. That the Pasuk doesn't say, because you're not serving Hashem, period. No. He's saying, because you're serving Hashem, besimcha. What's the thing? Because Hashem knows, the Torah knows, that if you're not happy in your Judaism, if you don't have that positive connection, then push gets the shove, you get squeezed, it gets difficult. The first thing you drop is, is, the, is the Judaism. It's like a child. A child who's always, do, do like this. Everything is just, you know, strict and strict and strict and getting it. Okay? Such children, they grow up, I don't need this. 
I don't need this stuff. If this is the attitude of Torah, and this is Yiddishkeit, and this is... I don't need this, okay? That it's so important. The Chinuch, today especially, has to have that balance of Ahava and Simcha. To show people that it's a kef to be a Jew. It's, it's, a, it's, an, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. We said yesterday, on Simcha Torah, Rabbi Nachman once told Rav Nosin, that one, uh, to this Simcha Torah, I was so happy, I even danced by myself. He said, I was so happy. And Rav Nosin said, it's the truth. When you think about the idea of Simcha Torah, it's being happy on us being a Jew. It's one of the happiest days of the year. It's a combination of all the Yamim Noraim, and, and starting the new year, starting with a boost of Simcha. Because really, this is the key for everything. If you're not happy in your Judaism, so you're going to lose out. It's obvious that it's going to fall off. What's needed is a big boost of Simcha. We brought a story on Shabbat. I'll say it over again. That there, was, there were two families that came to Ellis Island in the 1920s from Eastern Europe. At the time, in the 1920s, Jews were fleeing from Eastern Europe because of the pogroms in Russia, etc. So two families came with the same scenario. A family, many kids, okay, religious, and they came to Ellis Island, like everyone else to New York. And back then in America, you had to work six days a week. The one day off was Sunday. Okay, you didn't come to work on Shabbat, Saturday, you, you got fired. So these two families, the exact same scenario. The father found a job, a new job, okay, he's working. He didn't tell me he's not coming on Saturday. <laughs> okay, he didn't show up on Saturday. Sunday is off. He came to work on Monday, you're fired, find, find a new job. So they find another, they look for now the jobs and everything, whatever they had back in the 1920s in newspapers. He finds another job and the same scenario, the second week, that he doesn't tell me he's not going to work on, on Shabbat. He doesn't show up to work on Shabbat, not on Sunday. Monday, you're fired. So now the opportunities of jobs gets less and less and less and less as every week goes by. So both families, they ended up in the same similar scenario that after about a month or six weeks, eight weeks, they had no more jobs to find. And they had mamash no food on the Shabbat table. So one family, the father, sees his kids crying, Abba, where's the nice challah? Where's everything? There's no food. And he saw his kids crying on the Shabbat table that there's no food. And he couldn't handle it. So the next week he worked on Shabbat. And that guy lost all of his kids. They assimilated, whatever. He lost all of his kids to, to assimilation. The other family, the other guy, and we had the same scenario, and there's no food, but he was able to make the best of being b'simcha in a situation like that, that this is what the Ratzon of Hashem is. So he took his children on his laps, and he said, my kinder, my kids, Hashem wants us this Shabbat to sing. I'm sorry, there was a sings mirot. The food, okay, another time. And he made them feel so good about themselves, to make them feel that what we're doing is the best thing, and Hashem wants us to do this, that He gained their love and their happiness, and Hashem made miracles for him. He found another job. All of his kids remained religious. They became family de chachamim. They went to yeshiva and everything, okay? Meaning, again, simcha is the key if you're going to hold on or not. If there's no simcha in your Judaism, it's just, oh, I have to get up. I have to get up. If you remember, I'm, I'm saying this, 1980s was a commercial of Dunkin' Donuts. You remember this commercial? Dunkin' Donuts? Time to make the donuts. The guy woke up four in the morning. The Dunkin' Donuts, they want to show that their donuts are the best. That their workers wake up extra early to make the donuts. So the guy's like, time to make, he's sleeping and he's going in the car. Time to make the so if Judaism is like that, I have to get up to put on my twill and oh my God, and get up and it's heavy and heavy. Okay? Even if it happens, but at least I know that Simcha is the goal. I make Simcha as the key and as the goal, then it's a different Judaism. 
It's a different avodat Hashem, even if it's not hundred percent. But I focus that simcha is the key. We said this on Shabbat. I'll say it again. That Rabbi Nachman reveals in Lesson Seventeen, Part Two of the Kuti Moran, that the source of Yira comes from Shabbat. In Tikkun Izor, you have seventy combinations of the word Bereshit. One is called Yere Shabbat. To show, Rabbi Shimon Bar says in the Tikkun Izor that the essence of Yira comes from Shabbat. However, Rabbi Nachman teaches in this lesson that the key to come to Yira is Simcha. Okay? Vegilu birada. Rejoice. Okay? Birada. The Ra'ada comes as a result of the Gilu. Okay? If the Dashem be Simcha, if the Dashem be Yira, the key to come to Yira is true Simcha. So when Rabbi Nachman revealed this lesson, he asked Rav Nosen, Are you happy on Shabbat? So Rav Nosen, he said, sometimes I have an arousal, I eat orarut, which in Yiddish is called a, a frumkite. I have an arousal, a spiritual arousal. So Binachman told him, that's not the way. That's not the way. You have to work on being b'simcha. So then Rabbi Nachman read his mind. And, he, and then Rabbi Nachman told Rav Nosen, now you have what to worry about. And Rav Nosen said, he read my mind. Exactly. That now, how am I, if I'm not happy on Shabbat, and I have to be happy... So what am I going to have to, how am I going to force myself to be happy if I'm not happy? So then Rav Nosen told Rabbi Nachman, at least I want to be happy. So Rabbi Nachman, we smiled, he said to everybody, you heard what he said? He said, right, that's it. That even if I can't be happy, I want to be happy. Meaning what? This is something that a person has to make as his goal. Simcha has to be a priority. Because if there's no simcha, there's nothing. Nothing goes up. Everything's stagnant. Everything stays down. It's not easy. It's not easy when you live in cold Montreal and everyone's cold. No. You, need, you need a simcha boost. You need to have a boost of simcha and to build it up. Rabbi Nachman says, if it means telling jokes, tell jokes. It means dancing. We danced last night. It was so nice. Danced about half an hour. No, nobody wanted to dance. But we started to dance. And by the end of the, by after half an hour, everybody was dancing. It was beautiful, okay? Finding the good points. Giving thanks to Hashem for every tiny thing. To recognize I don't deserve to wake up in the morning. I don't deserve to put on tefillin. I don't deserve to have a, a beautiful wife and kids. I don't deserve any. Everything is a gift. Thank you, Hashem. Hoda'al. And number five is always looking that in the end, everything's going to work out. So if in the end, everything's going to work out, why are you worrying? It's an amazing Musa. Rav Nosen says, a person now, he feels like he's suffering in the present. This is not working, the Parnassah is not working out, the Shalom Bayit is not working out, the children are not turning out the way I want them to, by health issues. So when a person is stuck looking at the present, he has what to be sad about. However, if you connect the present to the future, and the future is what? The future is after Tchet HaMetim, after Mashiach comes, everything is going to work out exactly as Hashem wanted it to work out, and His goodness is going to be revealed to the world. So if you believe in Tchetamitim, you believe in Mashiach, you believe that things are going to work out, you believe that there's a purpose for this world, and it's going to be good, so why are you worrying now in the present? You're worrying in the present because you separate and detach the future from the present. Well, if you connect them, you join them together, you have what to always be happy about. Because the present situation is in vain in light of the future situation. So that's what gives meaning. That's what gives me hope that it's going to work out. I said a story on Shabbat. Uh, there was a mother and daughter who went together from beginning to end. Auschwitz and these bad camps. And they survived together. And they came out together. And they asked the mother, how did you do that? You know, that's one in a million that a mother and daughter are not separated by the Gestapos and the Nazis. And they both remain alive in Auschwitz. 
where the ratio of being alive was like, like 100,000 to 1, whatever. How, how did you guys make it? So she said she was always laughing. She got to Auschwitz. There's chimneys burning bodies, and people are like all miserable. And she started cracking up. And she was a religious lady, and she was normal. They asked her, why were you cracking up? You don't see people, Jewish, Jews dying? You don't have the fear and the pachad and sadness and misery? She said, no, because I saw these idiots are going to pay for it. <laughs> these Nazis, they're going to pay for it. It was so obvious that they're stupid. You're doing bad, and you think you're going to get away with it? You're not going to get away with it. These, these guys, these Hamasnikim, they kill babies, and they think they're not going to get away with it? They have to be stupid to believe that doing something evil for the cause of something good, it's total sheker. Rav Nosson explains on, on what it, Rashi says on Parshat Shlach. Parshat Shlach, if you remember the angels, the, 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 sorry, the Maraglim, not the Malachim, the Maraglim, the spies, they came back to Moshe Rabbeinu bringing the big fruit of Eretz Yisrael and they started by praising Eretz Yisrael. Tova ha'aretz me'od, me'od me'od I think, v'zo the land is very good, the, the spies said to Moshe Rabbeinu, and here the fruits. And then they started talking, Lashonara, Efes, Ki Azaam, we're not going to make it, they're bad. So Rashi points out, why did they start off with good? If the whole intent was to say slander, why did they start off with good? So Rashi brings a rule, and Rabbi Nachman builds on this rule. Kol Sheker She'en Ba Emet you want sheker, you want to say a sheker, and you want it to be acceptable, you have to hide it behind some piece of truth, okay? When does sheker fall? When it can no longer hide behind the truth, okay? So we're in a situation now, what happened in Gaza, that it's so obvious that it's sheker. You know, <laughs> it's so obvious. Like you're cracking up because it's so stupid. They come in, kill Jewish people, and then tell the world that we're the victims. You have to be crazy. It's like someone who says two plus two is five, and a woman is a man, and a woman is a woman, and a chair is the table. There's no logic at all to defend this idea. It's so obvious a checker. There's no emmet. In other words, the checker tries to hide behind emmet. So at least there's a wit to the emmet. But when the emmet is like this, and yet the checker is a fat guy, he can't hide behind a little stick of, of emmet. It's so obvious. You have to be stupid. Okay? So she, this lady, is saying, it's so obvious you guys are doing bad. You're going to pay the price. Anyone who does bad, they're, they're stupid. Hitler was stupid, yes. The Midrash says that each one, each, each enemy made fun of the previous one. You know, Esav, Esa, last week's parasha. The Midrash says that Esav said, I'm, I'm going to wait for my father to die. Let Yitzhak pass away, and then I'm going to deal with... Yaakov. So the Midrash says, but you're stupid. The Paro said about Esav, you're stupid, you're stupid, Esav. You waited for Yaakov to kill him. In the meantime, Yaakov became 70 people. He became 12 tribes and their children. You know, what are you waiting for? Okay? Uh, me, what did Paro say? When the child is born, if it's a boy, on the spot to kill him. I'm not going to wait. So then, Haman said about Esav, about Paro, Paro, you're stupid. This is the Midrash says, you kill just the boys, what, the girls are not Jewish, are not children? A Jewish woman, she has relations with a goy, the children are Jewish. So Haman says, I'm going to kill everybody, not just the, the boys. Men, women, children. Okay, and the Midrash goes on, that Gog, he, say, he will say, he's saying about Haman, Haman, you're stupid. You think you can kill the Jews by just killing them physically? So long as they're connected with their God, you can't, do, you can't deal with the Jews. What I'm going to do, Gog says, I'm going to fight against their God. I'm going to sever the connection between Am Yisrael. Gog is a Google. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's why it's called Google. Because it's Gog. Creep out Gog. It's obvious. What? You know that? Yeah, yeah. It's Gog. Gog is Google. It's so obvious. <laughs> so Gog says, I'm going to deal. I'm going to separate them from Am Yisrael. So Hashem says, ah, you want to fight against me? So I'll bring you to Eretz Yisrael. And here I'm going to bring you down. So what the Midrash says that Gog is going to be in Eretz Yisrael. And here it's going to be dealt with. However, we have a word from Rav Nossin. Rav Nossin writes like this. Rabbi Nachman revealed a book called Megillat Setarim. It's not a book. It's a, a manuscript, and you can't understand it. Megillat Setarim are secrets that Rabbi Nachman revealed to Rav Nossin and Rav Naftali, what's going to happen until Mashiach comes. And he told him only two people per generation are allowed to know about this. So wherever of you two passes on first, the second one who survives is allowed to tell it to somebody else. Rav Nossin passed away in the year 1844. When he passed away in 1844, Rav Naftali revealed this Megillat Setarim to another best liver of Aaron Lipovetsker, because he trusted him. He was looking for someone who could keep his mouth shut and keep a secret. Aaron Lipovetsker was someone like that. When Rav Naftali passed away 20 years later, he had passed away much older than Rav Nossin. So Aaron Lipovetsker revealed it to Avram ben Nachman, another best liver. And when Aharon Lipovetsker passed away, he was so good in keeping a secret, Avram Rav Nachman, he didn't tell anybody to any, anything to anybody. So nobody knows if he revealed it to somebody, and Bichlal, where it is now. So today we don't know about it. However, Rav Nossin did say one thing when he, when he heard from Rabbi Nachman Megidat Setari. Rav Nossin said like this, in what Rabbi Nachman told me about what's going to happen until Mashiach comes, he did not mention even once there the war of Gog, and Magog. So Rav Nossin says this, I understood, I understand that Gog and Magog is not a physical war. It's the spiritual battle that we are already in from the time of the beginning of the Haskalah, the beginning of the enlightenment, the reform of Judaism, which is from before Bin Ahmed's time, from the same time approximately, till now, that we're in a situation where the majority of the Jews in the world are assimilated. The majority of the Jews don't know what Shema is and what Shabbat is. This is Gog and Magog. Because we've never been in a situation in the history of Am Yisrael and Galut where the majority of Jews don't know what, what Yiddishkeit is, what Judaism is. It's the first time we've been hit so big. This is Gog and Magog. The separating of Am Yisrael from Hashem. That's Gog and Magog. Like the Midrash says, okay? From the letters. Huh? From the letters. What do you mean? Uh, letters like Doshot. They, they can't even read in Hebrew. Right. They don't even know what it is. <laughs> exactly. exactly. It's, all, it's all priesthood. So, so we went off a lot, the Gog and Magog, but the thing is, going back to this lady, she said, they're stupid. Anyone who does evil, you're stupid. You're going to pay the price in the end. So when you look at things in that perspective, everything is easy to take. But going back, we have every reason to be happy. We have every right to be happy. And in light of what happened, if you just a little summary mazim, what happened a month ago on, on Simchat Torah. Okay, it happened on Simchat Torah, number one. And not just on Simchat Torah, right at the beginning. What time did we hear news that they attacked the Jews? 6.30 in the morning, right? Six, what was 6.30 in the morning in Eretz Israel? That was Nets. Nets was approximately, in Yerushalayim, 6.36, 6.34, 6.32, 6.38. The meaning, Simchat Torah is technically, the day is the beginning of the year. Shoshana Rabbah is the culmination from, it's called Hoshana, the Nishchai explains, that it's Hosha, save us, Na, Na is 51. From Rosh Chodesh Elul until Hoshana Rabbah is 51 days. The completion of the Deen 
the judgment of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is culminated and finished on Hoshana Rabbah. That's why Hoshana Rabbah is the day we were white, we do extra davening and screaming, the whole book of Tehillim. It's to give a last chance of Hashem to, before He sends out the pitka, the ptakim, the executes the judgment of the year, we still have a chance to stop it. Plus, on the night of Simchat Torah, the night of Shemina Tzeret, Rabbi Nachman says that when you say Kriyat Shema and Hashem Elokechem Emet Vemuna, as soon as you say those words, your panasa for the whole year is determined. So Hoshana Rabbah, the night of Simchat Torah, when does the year officially begin? On the morning of Simchat Torah, Shemini Yatzeret, Simchat Torah. Okay? They attacked exactly at the beginning. <laughs> Hashem didn't give any time. Immediately, the beginning of the year, on Simchat Torah, which is supposed to be the happiest day of the year, one of the happiest days of the year, the, the incension of Simcha, boom. Number two, what did we hear? What was the main thing that came to us? were those teenagers at that Nova rave, that Nova festival. And what was the idea? There were, there were kids trying to have a fun time looking for simcha in a different format. They're not religious, or they fell off. They were looking to have simcha through drugs, through dancing, through whatever they were doing. So another type of looking for simcha, but not finding it, finding it in the wrong direction. Number three, hostages. What does the Torah say? Parashat Kitavo. Parashat Kitavo. One of the, one of the 98 curses is what? Uh, the exact wording, please forgive me, I don't remember exactly. That your sons and daughters are taken hostages. And why? Like we said earlier. Those curses, which includes hostages, is because of a lack of simcha. So it's pretty clear from a breast of perspective why this happened and what we have to do. The attack on the simcha, on simcha Torah, these kids looking for a different type of simcha, which was the main thing that really got to us. And then the hostages, where the Torah says clearly this type of curse comes about because not serving Hashem besimcha, it comes pretty clear that our weapon is to be besimcha. He says, we have no sin, the goyim, their intent in galut is to make us feel sad. When an Arab, he takes the, the, the grandma's Facebook and she shows her kids that, he, that she's, they're killing they're killing her so that the kids can see right? Shemirachim. So what do they have in mind, these crazy, crazy people? They have in mind to make them feel bad. And why do they want them to feel bad? Because their whole thing is to make us atzvut. Am Yisrael, by definition, we're anashim smechim. We're happy people. It's Judaism, right? Tekude Hashem Yesharim. The whole idea of being a Jew is that we have simcha. Because this world in itself is total atzvut. In, this, in itself, this world, the trees, the mountains, and the cars, and the, the swimming pools, and Maui, and whatever, it's all atzvut in itself. It's sadness. But when it's connected to a purpose, a true purpose, which is olam ha'emet, so that gives the simcha. Okay? Our weapon now, what our retort should be, is to be besimcha. That's our retort. So visit Hashem. We should work on Midat HaSimcha. I just wanted to say, all these ideas we mentioned now are taken from Likuti Moran Lesson 24. Okay? In Rabbi Nachman's Lesson 24, he, de- he delves a lot on the power of activating the Simcha. And how breast of teachings work is that when you learn these books, you begin to activate them. But that's stage one. Then you need to daven about them. Rabbi Nathan, Rabbi Nachman's disciple, under his guidance, he wrote prayers on the lessons in Likut Yemoran so that you can learn about it and daven about it to activate them. You need both. You need both. When you learn about something, especially in Rabbi Nachman's teachings, you create the remedy. 
But now it's like someone who, who has a, a, a skin disease and he, has to, he goes to the pharmacy and he buys the ointment. But if he doesn't apply it to the wound, it's not going to help. He bought it. I have it. I have the ointment. All right. You have to apply it on the wound. So too, Torah study activates the remedy. And davening about it is what bridges from koach el from the potential to actual. So Rav Natan, he wrote a beautiful prayer on these ideas of the simcha. And, if you, and, and the idea is, if you don't daven about these things, it won't happen by itself. If you don't make a move to ask Hashem to be besimcha, it's not going to move. So we put out here, just if you can, Richard, can give this out. You have a QR scan for a WhatsApp group and has the link to the whole prayer and the lesson in a format that you can do it in a 40-day challenge. Last time I was here last year, I presented this 40-day challenge and I saw that it was too heavy for people. So we made it very easy now. Very easy. Patrick, I made it easy. Okay? It's very easy. <laughs> it's very, it takes one minute a day. One minute a day, two minutes a day. Okay? And as a second QR for helping support what we're doing here. These classes took about a year to prepare, believe it or not. The whole classes that were given on the Shabbat. And it's a lot of research and study and preparation and what we do, everything's explained on this page. You have a second QR to help support us and the uh, Canadian tax receipt is available on that. Bezat Hashem, we should be zochet to be besimcha. Because the Pasuk says, ki besimcha tetzeu. If you think, like the people, the Rabbanim are saying, now Mashiach's coming, Mashiach's coming, and everyone now is shaken. Yeah. Mashiach doesn't come like this, sorry. Mashiach will come out of simcha. Ki besimcha tetzeu doesn't just translate as when Mashiach comes, so we're going to come back with simcha. Rather, Rav Nosan explains, you read it as ki besimcha through simcha. In okay. other words, the prerequisite before Mashiach comes is there's going to be an abundance of simcha. Even the goyim are going to be simcha. As yomru bagoyim, higdel Hashem lasot im ele, higdel Hashem lasot imanu, hayinu semechim. The translation is that when it comes time to, right, the goyim are going to say about us, higdel Hashem lasot im ele, the goyim, as yomru bagoyim, they're going to say amongst the nations, wow, everything that happened to the Jews, higdel Hashem lasot im ele, Hashem made it to make bigger, a bigger praise and a glory for these, these people, the Jewish people, and and as a result of doing good for them, it's good for us, and we will be happy. The Goyim are saying about themselves, we will be happy. So on this, Rabbi Nachman builds that Mashiach will come specifically through being happiness. So if you think fear and pachad, oh, it's the signs of Mashiach, it's not the signs of Mashiach yet. This is to push us to be besimcha, when there will be an abundance of simcha in the world, that even the goyim will be happy about us, this is the sign from Mashiach Bezat Hashem. We should be zocheh to work on building it, that we should be examples from this for the world to have simcha Bezat Hashem. You out with the money for it. Thank you very much. Hashem should bless you. There's a QR if you want. No, but it's not, I, I, it's not by sending money. <laughs>